Well, good morning. I'm Doug. I'm pastor here at Connection Church, and we're glad you're here. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to encourage you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the seats in front of you. And uh, if you don't own a Bible, we would love for you to take that one home with you as our gift. We're in the middle of this series called Loving the City because we believe that if we're going to live for Christ, that it's going to look different than maybe what the world uh, does and that uh, it's more than just talking about it. It's more than just a worship service on Sunday. It's more than just an event. It's actually a lifestyle that we live in a way that people can see Jesus in us. And so we're in the middle of the Lord's Prayer, or, or towards the end, actually. And uh, we, we finished what is the major portion, and, and Jesus is following up in Matthew chapter 6, these words, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. In verse 14 of Matthew chapter 6, we see Jesus coming back and talking about that forgiveness. He, he's already talked about it just a couple of verses ahead of time. But then in verse 14, he goes back. Look with me in that passage, uh, Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 14. It says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. In verse 14, that forgiveness which comes from God, Jesus makes a direct correlation to how we forgive others. In other words, you and I have been forgiven. If you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, if you have asked him to forgive you of your sins, then Jesus expects us to forgive other people. In verses 14 or 15, kind of may make you a little bit uncomfortable. Because if you are harboring unforgiveness in your life, then you have an issue. It says here that you cannot be completely clean if you, are not, if you harbor unforgiveness in your heart. And the problem comes in modern-day evangelical Christianity because we kind of want to take what we want of Jesus and leave what we don't like. And so we want to take forgiveness but leave the other things that might upset our lifestyle. And so we treat uh, Jesus, we treat God, we treat Christianity as, as, as if it is a spiritual buffet. And I'll go to the buffet and I'll take a little salvation, I'll take some blessings from heaven, I'll take some answered prayers, and I'll take a little bit of fire from heaven on the side for my neighbor who doesn't want to live in a way that honor that I think is right. And so we take kind of what we want and we leave the rest. And that's not how it works. We either take it all or we don't take any of it. And so that's why I think, in my mind, Jesus goes back to reiterate forgiveness because um, we, we have to take the whole thing. We can't keep part of our heart back for us. We can't say, God, I'm going to give you most of me. I'm going to give you most of my heart. I'm going to give you most of my life. Jesus says it's all or nothing. It's, it's the whole thing. God wants all of you. And listen, he knows all about you. You know, because we, we know ourselves. You know, your family 
probably on this earth knows you better than anybody else. They know what flips your switch. They know what makes you angry. They know where the cracks in your armor are. They know where your weaknesses are. And yet they love you in spite of that. Or they at least put up with you in spite of that, maybe would be better. Uh, but, but our family knows us. Listen, God knows every part of who you are. He knows all of the good. He knows all of the bad. He knows everything you've ever done wrong. The Bible tells us that he knows what we did yesterday and he knows what we'll do tomorrow. So he knows us and, and in that he still loves us. You see, discipleship is all about it's more than just praying to receive Christ, but it is a journey where we learn how to mold our hearts to be what God wants us to be. And so we, we, we begin to understand that God has a plan for us, and we begin to walk in a redeemed lifestyle where we follow Him with all of our life and discover how He wants to use us for His glory. We, we, we understand where He wants to change us for His purposes. We understand that where He wants to heal our life so that we can have peace. And so as we begin to understand that, we, we see that when Jesus says in verses 14 and 15 that we must forgive, that we must live in a way where we have been shown forgiveness, that we must also show that forgiveness to other people. Forgiveness is easily received. I mean, if you have done something wrong, you want to be forgiven. You want for people to clean the slate. We want for God to forgive us our sins. It's easily received. It brings relief. It brings peace. It's as if a weight is lifted off of us when Jesus forgives us of our sins. But forgiveness is much harder to give. But forgiveness is much harder to give, especially to someone who doesn't seem to want to be involved in that forgiveness process. For someone who has, who has wronged us, and we feel like they should be involved in the process of healing. And I, I had somebody tell me this last week, they said, you know what? I had to forgive somebody whether they acknowledged it or not because it was eating me alive on the inside. And so Jesus says here in verses 14 and 15, if you are unwilling to forgive, your Father will be unwilling to forgive you. What that says in my mind is there becomes a barrier between you and your relationship with Christ. That if you harbor unforgiveness or hatred in your heart towards someone, that it's going to build a barrier between you and God. And it will be as if you were, you were uh, talking to yourself because it says that God will not forgive you. And that's pretty harsh language. But it's a sin for us not to forgive other people. Now, as I begin to think about that, that, that kind of messed up my thinking. So, uh, and, and then I continue to read. Look in verse 16. And Jesus says, And when you fast... Do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces and their fasting so that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Fasting is doing without food. It is a, it is a process of self-denial and self-control, self-discipline, so that you might be able to hear the voice of God. It was a practice that was very common in Jesus' day. In evangelical churches today, it's kind of the forgotten Christian thing. You don't hear a lot about fasting. And I'll tell you from the beginning today, I want to come back to fasting uh, at, a, at another day and time because we don't have really 
the time in today's sermon to deal with it well, and I'm going to prepare you for that, but I, I do want to come back to it. But fasting was meant for you to deny yourself of food, and when you feel the hunger pains in your body, that you focus your attention back on God. Because there is a physical need in your body to have food. Many of you sat down at a breakfast table and ate this morning, and you were not satisfied enough for the day. In fact, here in just a matter of minutes, especially if I go a long time, your body will begin to crave more food. Why? Because the body needs food to survive. We must have that to to live. And so uh, the same thing happens spiritually, is that our spiritual body needs to be fed. It needs to be filled. And oftentimes we are starving spiritually and we're missing out on what God wants to say to us because we get busy. Listen, we live in a world that is just driven. I mean, it, the, everywhere we go, there's so many demands on our life with, with our family, with our job, with, with uh, activities that we're involved in. The media around us is constantly just in our face. We, we have cell phones that are like computers, and we, we are nowhere in this world, very rarely, except for I found Spearfish Canyon. You can't get reception in the canyon. But there's a hard to find a place where we can just be silent. And we don't have a gadget or, or something that is screaming out to us of telling us what we should do and where we should be and, and what information we should pour into our mind. And so in our day and time today, it's, it's hard for us just to stop and to listen. The Pharisees in Jesus' day and time fasted twice a week. They would, on Mondays and Thursdays, they would fast. And some of them, the, the Pharisees was the, the church, the, the religious people, and they would, they would uh, make a big production out of their fast. So on Monday, they would not keep their self uh, physically uh, in check. They, they, they would probably not bathe, brush their, they wouldn't brush their teeth, they wouldn't fix their hair. They would kind of look like they were disheveled and, and they looked like they were, uh, they were making a sacrifice. And so they would show up into town and some of them would even put ashes on their face so they would look even gloomier and they would walk around and people would look at them and say, oh, they must be spiritual. They're fasting today. And Jesus in verse 16 uh, scolds them, essentially. He says, listen, the people who are walking around, they disfigure their faces, they, they try to make a production, and fasting was never meant to be that. It was never meant to be an outward uh, event that the world knew about. It was a private thing that you spiritually took your time, you took away the food out of your life for a period of time, and you stopped and listened to God. Jesus points out that they have the religious action, verse 16, but there is no heart connected to it. And so uh, Jesus des desires, he, he desires silence, but not deception. He wants us to be quiet, but he doesn't want us to be quiet so that the world sees that we're quiet. You see, and so as, as I begin to process this, as I'm studying for the sermon, I'm praying through this, and I'm trying to figure out why, why did God go back? Why, why did Jesus go back and talk about forgiveness and unforgiveness? Why, why did he talk about fasting and listening to God? And what I begin to understand in my own mind, in my own heart, if you'll stay with me this morning, was that God was speaking to the fact of lordship. 
he was speaking to the fact that when we live in a way that is contrary to how our hearts have been changed by Christ, that there's a problem. Unforgiveness is, uh, is essentially life apart from Jesus. You cannot live for Christ and have unforgiveness in your heart. And so, now, it's not a salvation issue. It doesn't say here that if you uh, don't have unforgiveness, if, you, if, if you're unwilling to forgive, that you lose your salvation. But it does say that there's a barrier there. And that it's, it, God's not going to listen to us when we harbor unforgiveness in our heart. And then I begin to understand that that is a reflection of who I used to be. Because the world says, hey, it's okay if somebody has done wrong to you, you are vindicated. You, you're okay to harbor hatred and unforgiveness for them because they're evil. But when you come to Christ and you read just this sermon we have been looking at in Matthew chapter 5 and verse chapter 5 and 6 and 7, you see that Jesus says to love your enemies. He says to go to the second mile. He says to go above and beyond, not to just do what the world does, but to live in a way that, that your lifestyle is different. And so if we believe that 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 is true, that when we come to Christ, that we're a new creation in Christ, that God begins to transform our heart, if we believe that Ephesians 1 is true, that when you come to Christ, that you're adopted in as a child of God, then there must be a difference in how you live, and you don't really care that the world would see you fasting. You don't really care that the world would see you uh, doing religious action beginning of verse uh, chapter 6 where Jesus talks about prayer. He says, don't pray to, to an audience. Don't pray so that the world might hear you. Pray so that God sees your heart. Don't harbor unforgiveness in your heart because that is a way that, that it's going to cause a problem with you. So sin has derailed the process God has put in place in our life to make us more like him. Now, I'm going to make a jump here out of the Sermon on the Mount, and I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Because if we believe that that process of transformation is true, then let's, let's talk honestly. Look at Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. It says, There is, therefore... Now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk according to the flesh who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh have set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit have set their minds on things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Verse 1 says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. 
it is great to know that God has forgiven you. Verse 2 says that we have been set free from sin. We no longer have to be in bondage to the sins of this world. We can be set free. Verse 4 says that if we follow the flesh, it's going to lead us to death. If we follow the Spirit, it is going to lead to life. So following the flesh is, is bad and following the the Spirit is good. And it says, verse 6, that if we continue to follow into the flesh, if we continue to follow what the world says is okay, if we continue to follow the patterns of which the flesh will lead us, that it will actually lead us to death. But the end of verse 6 says that if we follow the Spirit, if we follow the ways of God, if we begin to live in a way that is following Jesus, it will lead us to life and peace. And so as I begin to process that in, in light of Matthew chapter 6, I begin to understand that what God wants from me and what He wants from you is not to live as the world wants us to. It, it, it doesn't really matter that the world thinks it's okay for us to harbor unforgiveness. It doesn't really matter what the world thinks. If you're coming to church here on Sunday so that the world can see you, then you've come for the wrong reason. If you're coming here so that, so that you might feel like you've got another checklist off, I'm, I'm okay, I've, I've done some religious activity, and your heart is not in it, then you've missed the point. See, what God wants us to understand is that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You've been set free, and if you continue to live in the flesh... If you continue to live the ways of the world, if you continue to step into the crowd and keep pushing down the wrong road, then you've missed the whole reason why Jesus has set you free. And in my opinion, you have cheapened grace that God has given to you. Because we believe, we believe as a church that when God forgives you, He forgives you. When God saves you, He saves you. Yes, we can sin. And some people will say, hey, you can sin all you want and God will forgive you. That's not what the Bible says. It says that every sin that I committed, Jesus paid for on the cross with his blood. And that, that we're not supposed to continue in sin. That's why I think in Matthew chapter 6, if you can hold your fingers between the passages, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus goes, goes back and says, listen, forgiveness is important. Because I want you to know that if you are going to have salvation, if you're going to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus, then you're going to find forgiveness from Christ, and that forgiveness was given to you so that you might forgive other people. Listen, you, you have been saved not so that you can, can rest upon your blessed assurance until Jesus comes back. You have been saved so that you can tell others about Christ. You can share the gospel in a way that others might find Jesus. You, have, you learn about God's word so that you can share the truth of God's word to be a blessing to other people. That's why God has done a work in your life and in my life is so that we can share with other people. Forgiveness has been given to you, verse 14 and 15 in Matthew chapter 6, so that you can forgive. Have you ever forgiven someone who really did not deserve it? When you give that, it shows what has been given to you. That's when Jesus talks about fasting in Matthew chapter 6. 
He says, don't do like the Pharisees do, but listen to what verses 17 and 18 say. It says, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that, you, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And when your Father sees in secret, He will reward you. You see, what Jesus says is that, hey, if you're going to fast, number one, you need to stop. Your world is crazy. You need to stop and, and listen. My greatest fear, this is my personal opinion, my greatest fear that when I see Jesus, when I get to heaven, is he's going to say, man, Doug, I was trying to talk to you, but you were just so busy that you didn't listen. And here's what you missed. And here's what I wanted to do in your life. And here's how I wanted to change your heart. And here's how I wanted to bless you. And here's, here's how I wanted to use you. You see, you can be busy at doing good things and miss the voice of God. Jesus says fast so that you can, you can put aside, you can be reminded when you're not eating and your body is crying out for food, you can be reminded in that moment, my sufficiency is not at Safeway or Walmart. My, my sufficiency is in Christ alone. My, my body is crying out for food, but my soul craves to know a holy God. You see, what, what we usually do is we listen to the flesh. It's much easier for us to, to fill our mouths with food, to fill our stomachs with food, to, to be able to have that physical uh, uh, fix than it is for us to stop and to listen. Because most of the time we listen to the flesh. Most of the time we're, as Romans chapter 8 verse 6 says, that we are listening to the flesh. And unfortunately, what the flesh will lead to is death. Now, you may be super spiritual and you say, you know what, Pastor, I don't have any problem with sin, temptation. Uh, if so, the Bible says you're a liar because it says that Jesus is the only perfect person. So everybody is dealing with temptation. We're struggling with the flesh. We're struggling with the issues of life and trying to keep everything in balance. And we're listening to the wrong voice. We keep listening to the flesh and the world, and that will lead to death. But the great thing about the end of verse 6 in Romans chapter 8, it says that if we will listen to the Spirit, if we will begin to listen to the voice of God, if we'll begin to listen to what Jesus says to our heart, if we'll begin to tune out the world and tune in to Jesus, if we'll begin to figure out that the flesh is going to lead us down to destruction, and we know that, that God is going to lead us to blessing, and to, it says in verse 6, life and peace. Life and peace. I'm 41 years old, and I'll tell you in my life, I'm really not out for the nicest car. I'm really not out for the most money. I'm really not out for the biggest house. I'm really not out for the greatest experience that can be experienced in life uh, on a vacation or what. I, that, that's not really where my heart is. The longer I live, you know what I want? Life and peace. In a world filled with chaos, I want life and peace because the flesh, the stuff of the flesh, the experiences, the, the possessions, you know what happens to all that stuff? It eventually gets old and it's broken and, and it needs to be replaced. If we begin to follow Christ, if our heart begins to follow Him in a way where we see Him and instead of the world, it says in verse 6 of Romans chapter 8 that, that 
following the Spirit will live to, lead to life and peace. You see, that unforgiveness that I harbor in my heart, it's of the flesh. The religious action of me trying to produce something that, that man might be impressed by, that, that's of the flesh. The, the religious action that, that churches are involved in that's just going through the motions, that's of the flesh. What we need to come back to is the sinner, and that's following Jesus and looking for his heart. And when we begin to do that, it leads to life and peace. You see, God wants more for you and I than we could ever dream. Forgiveness is just an evidence. If you look back in Matthew chapter 6, forgiveness is an evidence of what God has done in my heart. If I've truly been forgiven, if I look at my life and I understand who I am and who I have been and what God has done to redeem me and to forgive me and to cleanse my heart, that forgiveness begins to sink in and I begin to understand, man, that is an amazing thing. Listen, God has forgiven you not because he has to, but because he wants to. God has cleansed your heart because of His grace, not because of, he was, of, of our demands. When, when we have been forgiven, we understand that that's God's work in my life and that I'm supposed to repay that. Some of you have some unforgiveness and hatred in your heart, and it's like a cancer eating you alive from the inside out. You need to forgive them. Even if they don't even respond, you've got to forgive them. You've got to be set free. Fasting is an, abandoning, is an abandonment of my desires and giving them over to God. It's saying, you know what, God, I, I'm going to do, do without this in my life so that I can hear from you. I, I think, if I can challenge you, for some of you, it, it, it would be food. Going one day without food would be an exercise of you being able to listen to God. For some of us, it might be that we need to fast from Facebook or, or Twitter or our phone that seems to be connected to our hands. I'm convinced we're all going to have cancer in one hand and one pocket eventually. Uh, but it, it, we're so tied. What if we went without and we got to a place where we could just stop and listen to God and not to the world? What would, our, what would we hear? What would God be saying to us if we just... For that moment, we're able to stop and listen. I'm going to challenge you to fast, to do without food for a day, to listen to what God would say to you. Because, listen, it's, it's really not about the process of eating. It's about listening to what God would say to you. Because for most of us, we struggle with following the flesh. And what we need to do is follow the Spirit. Because we're in a process in our life. If we're following the fresh flesh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to do damage. It's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt us. If you don't know Christ, it will lead to death. But following the Spirit will lead, lead to life and peace. Verse 18 says in Matthew chapter 6 that when we begin to get our lives right, when we begin to pray in the right way, when we begin to fast, when we begin to forgive, when we begin to live in a right way, it says verse 18 that the Father who sees you in secret will reward you. I don't know what's on your wish list, but rewards from God are pretty high on mine. I'd rather be rewarded by Him. As I thought about this, my mind and my heart went back to Psalm chapter 1. 
You can turn there or you can just listen. Because the psalmist said this exact same thing. Listen to what he says. Blessed is the man who walks in the counsel of the wicked, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water and that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. And all he does, he prospers. What the psalmist said is this, that when we begin to plant our life in the right place, when we begin to seek the spirit and not the world, when we abandon the flesh and we begin to seek the heart of Jesus, when we begin to, as a tree planted by water, soak up the nutrients from a holy God into our lives, and we begin to permeate our heart, our minds, our lives on things of God and not things of the world, then we will be blessed. It says at the end of verse 3 that in everything he does, he prospers. It means that if we want life and peace, if we want purpose, if we want to live a life that honors God, it means that we need to plant ourselves next to the stream of life, which is God. So many of you, like me, tend to put our roots down in the wrong place, and we get toxins into our life. We get poison into our life. And when we allow that to begin to seep into who we are, it's going to eventually come out. We need to plant our lives in the right place. Moms, dads, you need to plant your families in the right place. We need to put our homes in a place where we're guarding them so that Jesus is at the center of all that we do. It doesn't mean that we remove ourselves from the world, but it means that when we are rooted and the storms come, Our roots are deep next to the streams of God. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me? With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you have never asked Jesus into your heart to be your Lord and your Savior, I'm going to encourage you today. I'm going to challenge you not to run away, not to seek your own ways, not to seek the flesh, but to seek the Spirit. That if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, that right now where you are, that you would be willing to pray a prayer and ask Jesus into your heart to be your Lord and your Savior. If you need to do that this morning, right where you are in your seat, silently you can pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for never giving up on me. I confess to you every sin of my life, everything I've ever done wrong. And I ask you to forgive me and to cleanse my heart. Make me clean. Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I ask you to change me. I believe that you were buried. And then on the third day you rose again. And I believe that you're alive today. And I pray that you would live inside of me. 
that you would help me to seek your ways, not the world's. Now, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer and you meant the words, the words are not magic, but the words mean that as it's a surrender, a following Christ. If you did that today, the Bible says that the heavens rejoice, the angels have a party when one gives their heart to Jesus. So if you did that this morning, I'm going to challenge you to be brave. And in just a moment, when we close our service, there's a place on your card that's in your seat that you can check. I, I'd like more information about becoming a Christian. I'm going to encourage you to do that. But I want to pray for you. Lord Jesus, I pray today for those who may have given their heart to Christ this morning. Lord, we pray that you would give them courage not to hold that inside, but to be willing to tell somebody about what they have done. Lord, I, I pray for those who are followers of Jesus. Lord, if, if there's unforgiveness in this room today, God, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would give them courage, that you would give them strength to set be set free. Lord, you tell us that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, that the law has of sin and death is we, we've been set free Jesus and I just pray today that those who are in bondage to unforgiveness those who are in bondage to some other sin anger jealousy what, whatever's going on in their heart God I pray that you would set them free that they'd be willing to ask you for forgiveness that they would be willing to give forgiveness even if it's not really justified in their mind and their heart Lord set them free Lord, I pray that we would be a church that you could use because our hearts are in the right place, that we're not looking to impress the world, but we're here to honor and lift high the name of Jesus. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name I pray.